Welcome back to the Dapperonk Podcast. This is Sean. And this is Chris. Hey, we're back at it again for another week. I uh, understand you had uh, quite an event this week. Oh, yeah. You know, my daughter got pretty good at riding her bike, and I'm always looking for you know something to do with her. Zach, it's easy. I mean, I'm either flipping them around, wrestling with them. You know, <laughs> we're doing something that it's comes second nature to me. Yeah. Uh, Skylar, it's been a little bit harder for me to figure out ways to connect with her even though she wants to, you know, be with daddy in whatever way she can. So we have a uh, an old railroad uh, that they took up and they paved. Okay. And they basically, just for like bike paths and walking and everything. I was like, you know what? You have a little bike. I'm going to throw your little bike in there. I'm going to wedge my bike in the back of the van. I'm going to go for a little ride. And she was all about it. She's like, yeah, days go for a ride. It should be fun. And at first it was. Uh, she was doing good. We were going down, just kind of going uh, all the parents that are walking by, you know, the older ladies kind of smiling, saying she's doing good, uh, enjoying her way. We got to the road, and, she, you know, we both got off her bikes, and we walked across it, and she did great. Yeah. And she started getting to a point where she was getting tired. And she was, she told me, said, Daddy, I'm getting tired. Let's turn around. I'm like, okay, it's a little bit longer. See that tree? And I pointed at a tree. She's like, okay. And we turned around. So this is where it goes completely off the rails. Oh, no. Off the rails? O- off the rails. Nice dad pun. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> not even purposely done. Look at that. We're getting good at this. And uh, so we turn around, we start going, and she loses her concentration for maybe a split second. Okay. She falls off the side of the path, and her bike tips over. Oh, no. And I'm thinking, ah, oh, she just fell down. A little bit of yeah, crying. Yeah, yeah. No big deal. We'll get the back on our brush her off and get her going. When kids that she- age, they're, you know, they're not that high off the ground. So when they fall, it's usually no big deal. Yeah, I, I thought, I mean, how many times have I seen her fall already? <laughs> right. And I'm like, shut up. Come on, let's keep going. Yeah. And she brings her hand up, and it's it's just covered in red. And I'm like, okay, maybe you fell in a bush over there. There's like wild bears or something like that. Right. And that's when I realized she's got about probably an inch gash Ugh. in like the palm of her hand at the base of her thumb. Ooh. And it was bad. I'm thinking, okay, I've got my bike. I've got her bike. We're about a mile probably from the car. Yeah. And I'm I, I'm like, how am I going to stop this hand from bleeding? And the next thing I think of is I just pull my shirt off. I mean, oh, I, yeah. I'm a dude that should not be shirtless <laughs> in public. By all means, if I'm not at a pool or an ocean or a lake, I should have my shirt on. Ah, show off that dad bod, especially <laughs> in an emergency. So I wrap my shirt around her hand. And I'm like, okay, so now I'm holding like her shoulder a little bit. Right. This girl's a beast. How old is she? She's no longer crying. She's four. Yeah. She is no longer crying. She's just kind of walking. She's got her hand wrapped and she's holding it close to her belly. And she's just walking and I'm pushing both bikes. And we come upon these two ladies that we passed. Mm-hmm. And they seen us riding. Now we're walking the bikes. And not only are we walking the bikes, I am now shirtless. Shirtless and get blood all over. <laughs> so I just kind of friendly mentioned to him. is like, you know what? Uh, we are probably, because the first thing they ask is everything okay? I said, you know, yeah. we're probably ER bound. And I, I showed them, the, I didn't show them the hand, but they say seen it wrapped up. I said, she's got a pretty good cut in her hand now. Right. So um, they're like, is there anything we can do to help? And my first thought was, there probably isn't anything you can really do that can help me out right now. But they suggested to put her bike on my bike and push him as one. I'm like, that's brilliant. Okay. <laughs> so now I'm pushing basically one bike, you know, kind yeah. of walking her. And we walk maybe another. I don't know, 50 feet or so. And next thing I know, they come back. And you're like, we would love just to sit with her on, uh, there, uh, at a bench. There's a bench basically at the crossing of where it crosses the road. 
Okay. And on the other side of that road is basically a little bit further up. There's the park. And my first instinct was, oh, I don't know if I want to leave you with leave her with you guys because I have no idea who you are. Right. Yeah. Which is logical nowadays. <laughs> sure. But I decided to go ahead and let her, you know, sit with them at the bench and keep the bikes. Now this is where you know the what the hell was I thinking moment happened. <laughs> I should have took my bike. Yeah. I could have rode my bike back to the car a lot faster than than running. Essentially, that's what I did. I ran. Oh man. I ran back to the car. Now I'm, I'm walking by these people that are now seeing me with no bike, no child, running. I'm like, okay, now I permanently <laughs> scarred somebody. Or they're like, wait, they're gonna call the cops or something. I was like, this this dude should not be running shirtless in public. No, <laughs> this just not should not be happening. And then I jump up in the car and I, I you know I pull it pull out. Didn't even tell the ladies what kind of car to be looking for. Wow. I was like, I, I didn't even think that far ahead. I'm like, okay, she's sitting here. Now I'm a little uncomfortable with leaving her with them. But then there's that thing in my head. I've got to get her to the you know the ER. Yeah. So now I'm hauling ass. I think I ran faster and longer than I've run in years. Probably. By the time I got to the the, the car, dude, I was feeling it. Yeah. Like, Jesus. <laughs> oh, Jesus. So I get in the car, go over there. I go past where the actual crossing was. If I stopped right at the crossing, people would have been pissed. Yeah. Because there would have been no way around. So I pull up just far enough for people to get around, throw the four ways on. I, I struggled to get the bikes in the car at the house. I just literally just chucked them in. Sure. They went in so easily. I'm like, damn, that's just, that's, that's, what? Why did they go in so easy this time? Well, your baby girl's bleeding out. You're like uh, freaking out, you know? Yeah, yeah. So I get her. I thank those ladies. I mean, those ladies were basically a lifesaver because I'm not sure how long it would have taken me and Skylar to walk back to the car. Yeah. And I got her in the car. And I'm, okay, so now I know the area I, I live in. I've, I've lived in this area, man, more longer than I probably want to admit now. <laughs> I mean, I've done DirecTV, I've done Time Warner, I'm delivering now for DoorDash. I know my way around this area like the back of my hand. Right. I had no idea how to get to like highway. My brain shut down and I'm driving the wrong direction. I'm like, okay, I'm going to go over to uh, one of our hospitals that's real close. It's an adult hospital. And I'm on the phone with Janessa. And the first thing I said was, everything's all right, but we're going to the ER. Oh, goodness. What did she say? Her first response. Now, I've kind of messed with her before. With Zach. (laughs) Her first response is, you're messing. You're just messing with me, right? I was like, do you hear my voice? I am going to the ER. I am shirtless. They better let me in. My shirt's wrapped around Skylar's hand. I don't know right from left right now. I'm just driving to figure out a way to get where I'm going. Yeah. Uh, she convinces me to go to our children's hospital, which is uh, there's like a, an off campus uh-huh. down by the Dayton Mall, which is which is really nice. We've never had to wait in there, and it, you know, the people are amazing. But she convinces me to come home and get a shirt. Yeah. <laughs> so now I'm <laughs> so so now I'm not going to the ER with no shirt on. But uh, we come back. Skylar once again is not crying. Not at all. So as far as your energy, you're probably freaking out inside, right? But are you like holding it together visibly on the outside or is she feeding off your energy at all? Or is she just like chill as can be despite the fact that her dad's freaking out? <laughs> I think she was chill as can be. Yeah. I, I, I can't. I know my head's freaking out. I know I'm talking to Janessa. I know I'm kind of wiry. So I think she there's no way she didn't notice that. Yeah. Kids pick up on that stuff. Yeah. She was just cool as crap. Wow. I mean, she had no issue with it. And once I got the shirt on, I drove down to the you know the ER down there. Uh, of course, they've got a lot of it locked down because, you know, the situation we're in health-wise right, right now. So we walk in, and they do the uh, the temperature check on us, give us a mask. And they ask why we're there. And I said, underneath that shirt there, there's a pretty bad cut. 
And then we walk over to the actual ER and Skylar this time, she just got a uh, package or something like a, a toy from Amazon. Janessa bought her and it's a doctor's kit. So it had like a, a nurse's scrub top and oh, yeah. stethoscope and all. And she, and she was wearing that at the time. Oh, that's funny. So when she walks in there, she's wearing that. And the, uh, the nurses see, you know, my shirt wrapped around. I say, what basically what happened? I said, I think we need stitches. And they took the shirt off and looked at it and said, yep, come on me. Oh, goodness. Oh, we didn't wait a second. It took us right back there. We had someone in the room. They were cleaning it out. They were numbing it up. They used like a numbing agent, but they basically said it's kind of like what the dentist use okay. on your teeth without using a needle mm-hmm. to numb it up. They did that, and it didn't. This is one of the times she actually squirmed. It didn't quite get us. So they had to give her a couple, like I think a shot or two. Okay, and it burnt a little bit. Sure, and that's the only time she screamed. Didn't cry. Yeah, just kind of. She kind of like. Tilt her head towards me in the mouth. Yeah, it looked uncomfortable. Yeah, that's the only time. And uh, the doctor was talking. We're going back and forth. Now, this, <laughs> I thought this was funny because my mind went to a weird spot. We had another nurse, another lady walk in in scrubs and just said she's a child something. I'm thinking, you've got to be kidding. Children's services, you, you really, you guys, that you, you that bored? Oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, I think it's almost protocol. If a child gets hurt, they're going to come in just to check. There's yeah. probably someone at each of the hospitals for, you know, just reasons by themselves. Right. But no, it was a lady with an iPad. She was there to distract Skylar when they did the uh, the uh, the stitches themselves. So she put Frozen 2 on and they, she was watching Frozen 2 while the doctor was stitching her up. And didn't even cry then as she's getting stitches? Nothing. Wow. Not a tear. What a trooper. Yeah, I know. So she watched that and the doctor basically told me she got seven stitches. Three internal <laughs> and four like where we can see. Your family is made out of some strong stuff. Your your own brother had a fish tank fall on his head, and uh, he came out un- unscathed. <laughs> <laughs> wow, unscathed is a matter of opinion. <laughs> yeah, you're made of some stern stuff, that's for sure. Oh, I wouldn't have handled this well. Oh, yeah. I'd have been a big baby. I know I would have been. And I hate needles. And uh, they, they put up like a blanket over, you know, the lights that they have in those emergency rooms? Yeah. Well, they put up a blanket where she couldn't see, so they draped it over that. So all she seen was the blanket and then the iPad and me. So she couldn't see what was going on. But uh, nevertheless, man, that little monster is uh, a trooper, to say the least. That's a heck of a thing to go through between you two. Probably a little bit of a bonding moment, something you guys might not forget. I don't know. Maybe you will try to suppress it, suppress that memory. (laughs) Oh, no, that's going to be one of those, uh, you know quarantine or your stay-at-home order stories that we're going to have uh, probably for a lifetime. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Well, I mean, we had some other news uh, this week. I Fortunately, I didn't have anything uh, like that uh, happen with me this week. Thanking my lucky stars, knocking on wood. But uh, we did have some news come through uh, along the Star Wars front. Um, did you hear that uh, they cast Tamira Morrison in uh, Mandalorian Season 2? I did see that. I mean, amongst all the other casting that they've done, that's this one here is perking up a lot of ears. Yeah, I found it interesting because um, I don't think any of the um, articles really confirmed what character he'd be playing. They really just kind of jumped on Boba Fett being in The Mandalorian, but um, I'm not entirely sure. I mean, Jango Fett was the basis for all the clone troopers, and of course he could be playing Boba Fett. It is a possibility, um, but uh, my money's on on Rex, honestly. That's where I would like it. I mean, honestly, I mean, this probably goes against a lot of, you know, Star Wars fans out there, but I would be disappointed if it was Boba Fett. I'm just not a Boba Fett guy. I've never been. uh, I I mean, I think I've shared this in the past. Through Clone Wars, I found other bounty hunters. 
right. that were uh, much higher on my list of you know ones that I enjoyed. So uh, I would love to see a live action Rex. But I, we got to get, they got to give us some more, and they're and they're really tight lipped with this. That's why they people really don't know; they just know the castings. Yeah, it's crazy. I mean, the story, the way it's structured, it could go anywhere because we're in a point in the uh, Skywalker saga. But it's kind of a, you know, it's post Return of the Jedi. Um, those players are out there, you know, Han, Luke, and Leia. It, it's you know, they're out there in the galaxy somewhere. But you've got the Mandalorians as a group, so eventually, you know, nobody should be surprised if Boba Fett who's kind of not really a Mandalorian himself, but he's tied to him, of course. Um, it wouldn't be a shocker if he ends up in the show somewhere. Of course, they'd have to explain how the heck he got out of the Sarlacc pit, but uh, that is a story that needs to be told. But I just think there's a part of me that thinks, especially with the introduction of Ahsoka, that you know we've got confirmation that Rosario Dawson is playing Ahsoka. Um, and the last time that we saw her in the timeline... It was uh, just before the um, original trilogy would have started at the end of Rebels, where she's with Sabine, and uh, we knew Rex was a part of that uh, small rebel group too. Um, so I would love to see uh, a live-action you know, trio of uh, Ahsoka, Sabine, and Rex. If they keep up the pattern in which they've had in the show so far, where each kind of show was a show alone by itself... Yeah, I can very easily see Ahsoka, Rex, and Sabine pop in for one episode and kind of have their own thing, and it just be one standalone episode type thing. Yeah, I take that. I think you're right. the The way the first season of The Mandalorian was structured, uh, every episode was so different. They had that uh, you know ongoing arc, that connective tissue between episodes, but yeah, they all kind of had their own feeling. Um, I think that would be that would be the way <laughs> of season two. Have you spoken? <laughs> I've spoken. <laughs> I, I almost think if they did that, it would be a good way to lead into another TV series. Oh, sure. Because we've always kind of hinted towards we want to see Ahsoka Sabine, uh, you know, searching for Ezra. And, you know, Rex, was like you said, Rex was a part of that, too. Rex had a connection and a relationship with Ezra as well. So yeah. if, if they bring those three into, say, this here... It could easily lead into a you know a, another Disney Plus type show where they are searching for Ezra. Yeah, and um, you know we have confirmation um, at least somewhat that from Dave Filoni. This was a couple of years back that uh, Rex actually was on the ground at Endor during um, Return of the Jedi. Have you seen that picture? That supposedly uh, Rex standing next to uh, the Rebel troops down on Endor. I probably have, but it's probably it's been so long. Yeah, I can't. I'll have to uh, I'll have to post that on the uh, the Dad and Rock Facebook and uh, Instagram for you listeners if you're curious. But uh, yeah, he's got the uh, the bushy white beard, just like how he looks in uh, Rebels. Um, so yeah, he'd he'd still be alive and kicking around this time. Yeah, in Rebels, he's had one too many Twinkies, so he needs to get back in you know fighting shape. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> Uh, yeah, so if you couldn't tell, this is going to be another Star Wars heavy episode, just because we've had so much Star Wars content kind of come out, and it's really uh, been somewhat dominant, with last week being, you know, May the 4th, and, uh, you know, the final episode of The Clone Wars, which we're going to talk about. Uh, another Star Wars episode that dropped here was uh, the second episode of Disney Plus's uh, Mandalorian documentary um, that they're they're showing here. Um, did you check this out? Yeah, I watched uh, the first episode when it first dropped on the 4th. Oh, which was fun. I, I didn't know. I wasn't sure what to expect. Yeah. I didn't. I didn't realize it was going to be a series. I thought maybe it was going to be like an hour long show. Right. Kind of a breakdown. Not knowing. I think it's what eight episodes, if I memory serves me right. I think so. But uh, just seeing all the directors sit around and just kind of talk about their episode and how it connected with everything and how they were given kind of uh, free reign to kind of do you know their things, you know, tell their story. Right. And uh, 
and which was which was pretty cool. Which which we seen as well. I mean, they they all had their own feel to each of them. But to to hear their their background on how they became Star Wars fans and mm-hmm. everything was was really fun to hear. Yeah, and this second episode uh, was more dedicated towards kind of the legacy of Star Wars itself, like George Lucas's legacy. Um, dipping back into you know the original trilogy and the prequels and uh, kind of carrying forward that uh, that whole mysticism of the Force and everything. And uh, each director and a lot of the, the players, like the cast, kind of talked about their own history with the and the, with the legacy of Star Wars. And uh, there was, uh, I think, the last five minutes of this episode just really struck me where, you know, uh, John Favreau, he has the directors sitting around kind of a, a roundtable discussion uh, with the six of them. Dave Filoni's there, too. And Dave starts talking about um, Duel of the Fates, the end of The Phantom Menace. How, uh, you know, that last battle, everybody thinks it's, you know, cool, which it certainly is, but uh, nobody really kind of stops to think of the um, the actual meaning that it has, how, how the rest of that prequel trilogy and, and kind of the saga itself kind of hangs on the end of that fight. Um, how Qui-Gon Jinn was really kind of fighting for the soul of Anakin because he knew that the, uh, the Jedi Order had kind of lost their way a bit where they weren't as... Uh, caring and they didn't have as much uh, kind of love and compassion as, as he felt that they should have and uh, they kind of lost their way a bit and he knew that he would be a, a good father figure for Anakin and uh, with this you know we've got this evil entity kind of uh, fighting having the duel of the fates for Anakin's fate and we all know how that uh, that battle ended <laughs> with a Qui-Gon with a big seeping hole in his chest <laughs> <laughs> yeah Qui-Gon was taking it on voluntarily he wanted to take on you know, Anakin. Yeah. When uh, Obi-Wan took over the training, it was more just for, because of a promise. Right. It wasn't because he wanted to. Yeah. So, I mean, that, that's, there was that, that, that professor level of lecture that he gave at the end of that, lack of a better way of saying it, was a level that I have not heard in the past, which was really cool. Yeah. And he, he basically said how, you know, Obi-Wan was his, uh, was like a brother to him, but he wasn't like a father. Anakin always kind of needed that father figure in his life to really kind of set him straight. He kind of links the beginning of the saga and the end of the saga together with the, the Phantom Menace all the way to the Return of the Jedi, where um, Darth Vader, in the, his final moments there, where he's deciding to save Luke, he's deciding to be the father that he never had. Um, you know, how his son kind of sacrificed everything to just essentially tell Palpatine, like, no, like, I love my dad and <laughs> you can't do anything about it. And uh, uh, for, I don't know, it just really got to me. It really got to the heart of, like, what how Star Wars uh, is special to me in a certain way. Like, you know, we talk about the battles, we talk about the powers, the video games, the movies, the TV shows, the lightsabers, but everything kind of hangs on that uh, that family connection. Uh, that's really the heart of this whole thing. So uh, it, it was just crazy. If you guys haven't checked out this documentary series on Disney Plus, you really need to. Yeah, no, definitely two thumbs up as of right now, and I don't see that you know going any other way besides continuing. It's it's uh it's exceeded my expectations to this point. Absolutely. So, uh, kind of moving right along here into more Star Wars. Woo, uh, like more Star me- Wars. <laughs> <laughs> We did mention that the last four episodes of the Clone Wars, uh, they've come and gone. The Clone Wars have ended, sir. Oh. Ended the Clone Wars have. <laughs> <laughs> that sucks. I mean, I was so... I mean, I've went back and I've watched these last four episodes a couple times now. This is this is so much of what I love about Star Wars. Yeah, the movies were great. Yeah. I didn't realize how good Star Wars could be until I got into the Clone Wars. 
Yeah. And much to my you know, my knowledge, I really didn't realize how much influence George Lucas had in, you know, in the development of the the Clone Wars themselves. Now I'm not sure how much he had when this last season, but I know like Dave Filoni was saying yeah, he was they, he was getting you know credit for directing and all this, you know what he was doing with it. But George Lucas was kind of over his shoulder the whole time. Right. It was like okay, he'll turn around and say okay, is this does this make sense? And if Lucas said yes or no, he kind of went with it. Yeah. So he kind of had the mentor of Lucas without having Lucas's name per se, you know, on like say a writer's credit or anything. But he was there to go ahead and answer questions and make sure that the story stayed cohesive with the the movies. Yeah. Yeah, and these last four episodes, I mean, they really are just kind of one episode split into four parts. Um, they kind of do away with the uh, the typical Clone Wars uh, news announcer at the beginning of each episode to kind of give you a recap. Yeah. Um, and they really, you know, they added the Lucasfilm uh, limited logo up front, and they really just kind of went in with this uh, this feeling of dread um all four of these episodes because you know we're star wars fans so we know what's coming we know where we're at in the story yeah so it's kind of a really a really clever way of revisiting order 66 through the eyes of darth maul and ahsoka that was the most fun about it for me is watching it through maul yeah maul i think has become well even if we discussed this last week maul is like one of my favorite you know star wars characters and just seeing how he perceived this thing whole whole thing happening from him, uh, you know, laughing when he finds out what's going on, how they're basically pawns. Uh, it, it was so intriguing to me, and I, I can talk about it, but we're gonna get. I'm gonna get ahead of myself. Yeah. I already hear it. So uh, let's just jump into. It. So we have was it episode nine? I think it was uh, old friends not forgotten. And we kind of touched on this a little bit on uh, on the fourth. I think it was, or the one prior, uh, when uh, Ahsoka finally meets back up with Anakin, and she's trying to convince them to go ahead and go to Mandalore. Yeah, we talked about this a little bit. It was kind of, uh, we could sense the Clone Wars kind of ramping up into their grand finale. Um, But this is where stuff really started to go down plot-wise, where you felt the oncoming uh, Revenge of the Sith plotline. And uh, yeah, so, you know, Ahsoka meets up with both Obi-Wan and Anakin in her pursuit to, to get to Darth Maul. So after Ahsoka parts ways from Anakin and Obi-Wan, uh, you know, it turns out that Council really isn't willing to help her on this mission. Uh, so she goes herself and, you know, we kind of already discussed that huge uh, scene of the, the kind of fight in the air with the, uh, the ships and the Mandalorians and uh, Ahsoka jumping from ship to ship and uh, racing Rex down to the uh, ground. Um, and then at the end of the episode, she comes across Maul, um, but this was just kind of the start of their confrontation. Yeah, the whole thing. I mean, you know, seeing the Mandalorians in action. Yeah. I mean, we really haven't seen a whole lot of that. I mean, outside of, you know, the, the Mandalorian, you know, that one battle they had when the, uh, the Mandalorian walked away with Baby Yoda. But, uh, yeah, just that whole thing. And her and Rex, I loved how, like, the clones welcomed her back so much. They painted their helmets, basically. the yeah. You know her her face paint or the way her face looks on their helmets, which was a pretty cool like uh, just tribute to her. Was this uh, division? Was this like did they essentially like split the five hundred first in half, where she took half of it and Anakin still had his half that eventually would go with him during Order sixty six? Uh, to my knowledge, yes, because I remember they they wouldn't send any clones with her because she was no longer a general. Yeah. So they went ahead and promoted Rex, so Rex can command the that you know that portion of the clones to go ahead and go to Mandalore. Boy, can you imagine being uh, a part of the five hundred first, and that's your fate—either to go and die on planet with Ahsoka, 
uh, or uh, hang out with Anakin and, you know, kill Jedi kids. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think either of them are, uh, you know, very, no, very promising. No, not, not a very uh, victorious or glorious uh, end to the 501st, that's for sure. Master Anakin, what are we going to do? <laughs> Zing. <laughs> oh, awful. <laughs> we go right there. <laughs> But I, I just, that whole episode was the perfect type of episode to lead into what was going on. So I brought up how uh, Maul was back on Mandalore, was kind of in the underground, uh, persuading these other Mandalorians to kind of go his way. And how, you know, it's better to die, you know, on the battlefield than, you know, die in the, you know, underneath the planet. So they're all yeah. for him. And basically when they say they need him, you know, he basically turns his back on him. So oh, yeah. Maul's always been out for himself, number one, dude, which uh, which kind of fits. So, um, yeah, as far as, you know, kind of diving into and, and kind of as far as kind of summarizing the second episode, The Phantom Apprentice, uh, we do get more of Maul, way more of Maul as far as his dialogue. He sees Ahsoka there. You know, the, the council has kind of sent Ahsoka there where, you know, with their blessing or not. But Ahsoka's there as opposed to the council sending Anakin or Obi-Wan. And uh, at first, we kind of assume that he's wanting Obi-Wan to be there because he kind of says as much. And he has that history with Obi-Wan. This is so awesome of Maul. Yeah, but we find out later, I mean, he is aware of Palpatine's plan to make Anakin the next apprentice. And he wants to nip that in the bud. Yeah, he's actually seeing, he's having like force visions where he's actually seeing what's going to happen and, you know, play out. So he, he reaches out to Ahsoka knowing Ahsoka is the only one that could probably help him, you know, foil, you know, Palpatine's plan. He doesn't, I mean, he doesn't want to basically. Well, he does. I mean, he makes her an offer. He, he gives her the old Sith offer, the old, the old hand, you know, join me. Darth did it. Uh, friggin' Kylo did it. Like they tend to do that. <laughs> and Ahsoka's like, she's about to do it. She says, okay. And then she's like, you know what? Tell me what about Anakin? She wants to know. And I, we don't, I don't know if it's, you know, her playing head games with him and never really taking that offer. Yeah. Or if she took the offer, you know, generally, and then he told her that she, that he's actually going to turn. Right. It's uh, it's crazy. But I think one of my favorite scenes of the the entirety of Clone Wars happens when Ahsoka is standing in that uh, throne room yeah. with with Maul, and then the glass breaks. Oh yeah. And that slow motion of that glass flying by their faces, and neither of them move. They're both just staring each other down. I thought that was awesome. So intense. I mean, what a terrific lightsaber battle. You've got the backdrop of this Mandalorian war going outside, the siege of Mandalore. Mandalore and, and clone troopers and lasers going off and jetpacks flying through the air, explosions galore. And meanwhile, in the sanctity of this hall, you know, indoors here in the throne room, you've got Maul and you've got Ahsoka, and they're able to have a dialogue um, you know, Darth Maul does the whole thing of, you know, join me and together we can take down the Emperor. Not too dissimilar from, you know, Vader later. <laughs> um, but, uh, yeah, you're right. That's that scene that kind of kicks off their lightsaber battle where the glass shatters and then it's on. <laughs> it's just so good. I mean, that lightsaber battle, the, the dialogue. I, I love how they have, like, developed or the growth of Darth Maul. Has taken place over yeah. like all these different cartoons and everything because Maul and, it, and there wasn't a whole lot there to him. There wasn't a whole lot of dialogue for him. And this one here, he sees so so thought out. He's so articulate, very scarily like smart. He knows what's going yeah, on. Yeah, he knows the game. So the fact that he's figured this out. And no one else has figured this out is, I mean, it's next level, really. Yeah, and it was always kind of a question how much Maul knew of Palpatine's plan. I mean, 
you can uh, imagine that Palpatine probably kept his uh, large grand plan pretty close to the vest. Not going to give uh, Maul every bit of information. Um, but once the pieces started to fall into place, once the events started to transpire and Maul had sort of a uh, presence, you know, of the force and these visions, he knew he called everything. He was like, this is happening. This is happening. This is happening. Where he put two and two together to realize that it was going to be the, these clones that eventually that take down the Jedi. He was like, oh, brilliant. <laughs> yeah. No, it, just everything from, you know, when he's, he's talking to Ahsoka. And I, I can't talk more about him because I'm going I'm to lead into our next episode. But uh, that lightsaber battle between them in the throne room, then when they actually get up into like the these like rafter looking things, and they're fighting up there and balancing and everything, it's it is it is awesome. And then when they catch them, yeah, this fight was incredible. I mean, we saw a little bit of uh, we did see a behind the scenes video that they released where um, Ray Park came back to do motion capture for Darth Maul. Um, so they actually did this fight. I think that's why the fight looks so good because it was animated, but it was done with motion capture. And uh, gosh, you they. You get Ray Park to do those flips with uh, a lady named Emily Swallow, who was actually doing Ahsoka's part. She was doing the motion capture for Ahsoka, and she actually did the uh, the armorer in The Mandalorian. If you remember her fight against uh, those stormtroopers, she was pretty badass <laughs> in yeah. that episode. So em- apparently Emily Swallow knows knows how to move, too. But, uh, yeah, there's this behind-the-scenes footage with uh, Ray Park and Emily Swallow going at it. And I think that's uh, part of the reason, at least, why this uh, fight is so good. But also, like you mentioned, just the drama of it all, like the story of these these things coming to a head for these characters. Yeah. So, yeah, pretty much like we're seeing at the end of that, that episode there, basically Ahsoka goes ahead and gets him i mean it's you know into the the ship there and they hit him with a stun so he's he's out yeah but right before they they stun him and he's like he's, he's yelling something about warning like you don't know what's coming or yeah, we're all know. gonna burn <laughs> yeah yeah he's pretty much saying this is the end you're yeah. stopping me and i'm the only hope of really stopping him yeah which is kind of a weird way to think about it but uh think about this for a second if ahsoka went ahead and worked with maul would have ahsoka been an peer or would she have almost been kind of like an apprentice in a way? Because she would have had to harness some of that dark side, that fear, to be able to go up against, you know, a Palpatine. Um, I think that's tough to say. I think probably that's how that dynamic, that's how Maul would probably look at that dynamic, that he would be the master and she would be the apprentice. Because he did the same thing with Ezra. Yeah, exactly. But if you think about it, I mean, he was the apprentice of Palpatine. She was the apprentice of Anakin, who was essentially Palpatine's apprentice. Beta. So yeah. um, I think that's probably how that would work. But, but Ahsoka called it. I mean, she called it from the get-go. She wasn't tempted in, in the least. She was like, yeah, let me join up with you so you could go and rule the galaxy. No thanks. <laughs> yeah, she knew what was going to happen. Yeah, you're going to kill him and take his place. Yeah. Just because there was an episode in Clone Wars and before it went off the air where Maul actually took an apprentice. Was that his brother? No, but he was another... Uh, he was from Dathomir as well. He was oh, one okay. another brother from Dathomir. I gotcha. And basically Palpatine shows up and... He goes, my master. He's like, oh, no, you got an apprentice now. And he slices down Savage and him and, you know, Maul have a pretty badass fight. Yeah. And then they split ways again. <laughs> See, this is the stuff. If you've only seen Darth Maul in The Phantom Menace, then you are missing so much of this character. That whole storyline there about trying to get to uh, Dooku is masterful. But well, once again, we are straying off the path. <laughs> 
yeah, it's easy to, to go into tangents here. But I mean, that's kind of the end of the Phantom Apprentice. Maul is captured. Ahsoka kind of wins the day. And, uh, you know, her and the troops kind of uh, uh, regroup and they're they're heading out. They're back on their ship. And uh, boy, you just you just sense this foreboding coming in the next episode. And uh, this is where everything goes down. This is where Order 66 takes place in Shattered. Yeah, this one here. This is is probably the best episode of the four. Now we have you know the lightsaber battle, which stands by itself. But when you're looking for story and everything that comes in, I mean, it, it goes right into it. It opens up with you know Ahsoka getting her bounty, getting you know Maul, and then she goes and speaks with you know the Jedi with Yoda and Master Windu. And man, Windu was an arrogant prick. It really comes across in the Clone Wars. I, maybe it was like that in the prequels, and you just, you know, hindsight is twenty twenty. Um, but yeah, they're really playing Mace Windu to be kind of the uh, the typical, almost the um, the quintessential arrogant Jedi. The reason why the people down below in Coruscant kind of hate the Jedi. <laughs> yeah, I mean, when when Yoda asked if she did it as a as a Jedi or, or not, she said not yet. Yeah, she said a civilian. Which was pretty cool. She didn't rule out returning to the Jedi Order. Right. But she said, as of right now, pretty much was like, I'm still finding myself. Exactly. And then, you know, Mace Window drops a line, well, uh, something about civilian, or this is uh, Jedi, this is Jedi Jedi cancel. business, yeah, civilian. Yeah. yeah, he calls her by civilian and kind of very, in a curt way, and kind of drops the call. Um, yeah. And, uh, but not Yoda. Yoda sticks around. Because he he senses that Ahsoka has more to say, and he asks her as much. Um, and Yoda is very kind of differential. Like he's, he, you could tell already he's the kinder, <laughs> kinder, gentler Jedi. Um, and he asks her if anything's wrong. And um, he said, "Is there a, a message I can give Anakin for you?" Yeah. And she said, "No, I'll tell him myself when I see him next time, or something down those lines." Yeah. I mean, you kind of get this feeling, and this whole episode it, it plays with these scenes in a way that um, you could tell that the characters feel that something is coming. The way Yoda hangs onto that call, the way that Ahsoka just constantly is kind of looking into the middle distance, something is on her mind, she feels something in the Force, the way the camera zooms into Darth Maul's eyes, because he's trapped in this Mandalorian box, right? Almost like carbonite. Which is pretty cool. Apparently it was some old, like, uh, like cell for Force yeah. users that the Mandalorians had. Yeah, he couldn't do anything. He couldn't get out of this thing. And he really didn't have any power to get out of the, that thing himself. I mean, his, it seemed his uh, abilities were being suppressed in a way. And all he could really do is look out at this little window by his eyes and, and watch <laughs> the events unfold in front of him. Yeah, they're, basically they're back on the ship and they're heading, they're heading back to Coruscant, I believe. I think so. And basically, uh, Rex is up on the bridge with Ahsoka, and Rex tells him they got a uh, a message from Obi Wan, and she's like, "Oh, I don't need to go see that. It's probably nothing but good news." Yeah. And then <laughs> all of a sudden, she feels everything happen. Yeah. You can see her just her hand goes to her head, and she knows something. She sensed something big just happened, kind of like how Obi Wan felt the the death happen. Yeah. When the first the uh, Death Star blew up Alderaan, so it's it shook him. Yeah, so I mean, if you have some you know connection to the Force, you're gonna feel when there's a big shift, and she felt it immediately when everyone started dying. Yeah, I mean, it goes down right. It's Order sixty six. It it shows you um, Sidious uh, Palpatine under the cloak um, execute Order sixty six the way it cool. did. In Revenge of the Sith, I mean, you see all of these troopers get dispatched. They get the message, and they don't hesitate. I mean, they got that ship, and they could just go right to it. And and luckily. 
Ahsoka kind of snaps out of this haze fast enough to um, deflect the blaster bolts that are heading her way. She's standing in a room with some some troopers and Rex, and uh, she ends up defending and deflecting these bolts from these troopers. Uh, But Rex has her in his sights, and he, I guess something along the lines of just his relationship with her, he's able to hold out long enough to actually not pull the trigger, but he tells her to look for fives. Yeah, she. You see him struggling. He's got his guns up. He's shaking. It, it was. It was awesome. Then yeah, the whole thing happens when she's in that other room, kind of on that hollow map, and you know, she's fighting him off. I mean, it's she's going crazy. I mean, she's yeah. moving faster than we've seen that really any Jedi ever move. And I mean, it was. It was nuts. And it was. We knew she was going to get out. I just didn't know how she was going to get out. And then you know, she finally gets up into the um, basically the the venting system of the of the ship itself. So now they're all searching for her. Rex is like she's an enemy of the Republic. Jedi I, everyone's fallen and they said you know anyone that doesn't shoot him is committing treason themselves right yeah which played big later on because he gave that order and now that that's going to come into effect later but i mean it was it was crazy then uh, what i love though were the droids oh yeah i love how the droids played a part in locking things down playing a message for Rex you know, through the hollow projector. She didn't stun him when the droid shocked him. Right. Yeah, it's kind of funny how she survives this mess. I mean, she's trapped on the ship during Order 66, a ship full of Republic clone troopers. Uh, she should be doomed, but she uses her wits, and she frees Maul just so he can be a distraction. <laughs> yeah. You know, so he could be this uncaged animal going through the halls. Oh, and he, he is, like, full badass on wheels, too. Oh, yeah. He's going, he's deflating... Not- no weapon. It's funny because <laughs> she's like, you're going to at least give me a fighting chance. He's going to give me a fighting chance. Like, I'm not rooting for you. <laughs> <laughs> but he's like pulling like panels off the wall and walking with them and force pushing people and slamming them on the, the ceiling and choking them. And he's like, it's, Dude, that's the dark side that I love. Yeah. I love seeing it. I loved Vader, like we said before, and uh when he was in Rogue One. So So with uh with Rex's last directive to her, Ahsoka finds this holotape uh that has to do with Fives. I guess Fives was a uh a clone trooper in a previous Clone Wars episode that had killed a Jedi, and uh Rex had kind of done his own investigation, and that's where she finds out that there's you know, there's these chips in their heads. Um, so she goes into um, a medical chamber here, kind of a secluded room with the help of the droids and her channeling the force. You know, she kind of gives that same speech that uh, Chirrut Imwe, I think his name was, uh, in Rogue One. He kept saying, I'm one with the force. The force is with me. I'm one with the force. And she kind of chants the same thing uh, to, I guess, kind of grease the wheels <laughs> to get the force going to find this chip in Rex's head. Yeah, that was pretty cool. Suddenly, I got it. I got something. <laughs> And then all of a sudden, you know, they're starting to come through the doors, and she's telling the droids, lock them back down. And, I mean, it looked like it was looking pretty doom and gloom there for a minute. Like, there's no way. Oh, yeah. I mean, they were going to be able to remove this chip and, you know, keep these you know, these clones away from them. But uh, they, they, they go ahead and achieve it, which is pretty cool. It was cool to see her, her look when Rex actually fired at the clones. Oh, yeah. And then the door came back down. Yeah, he, he snapped out of it, thankfully, and he becomes the Rex that we uh, know and love uh, eventually in, <laughs> in Rebels, a little bit older, a little bit wiser. But uh, that's how he uh, kind of uh, avoids becoming victim of Order 66 and uh, how she avoids it, too, get kind of the same way. And this leads into, so, you know, during this entire time, the ship is traveling through hyperspace uh, to get back to Coruscant, and uh, Darth Maul 
it's his uh, novel idea to actually take the ship out of um, hyperspace. He he goes to the hyperdrives and uh, with the force just just brings him toppling down and and the ship kind of uh, crashes its way out of hyperspeed into the middle of nowhere. Oh, it was great. And he, the way he ripped them down, just pulled them to pieces and they just kind of caved yeah. over. And then all of a sudden you see it coming out and it's like the, the ship starts breaking up and everything. And man, that was, that was pretty cool. <laughs> just to see the power that he actually contains. Yeah, it kind of reminded me with both Ahsoka's moves... Um, later in the episode, kind of pulling the ship down and uh, Maul's moves kind of bringing the hyperspeed engines down. It almost reminded me of uh, The Force Unleashed, those games on the Xbox, uh, to where, you know, the Jedi were and, and Sith, this character, it's just his force powers were just at an insane level where he was able to, like, kind of bring down an entire Star Destroyer, <laughs> pull it down to the ground. Um, <laughs> that's how crazy it was. But, uh, yeah, I mean, so, you know, they, they come out of hyperspace, um, and finally, you know, they meet up with uh, the rest of the troopers. They have Commander Cody there, who's kind of become uh, the de facto leader here now that Rex is kind of split from him. You know, he, he tries to do the old trick where he brings her in as a prisoner and tries to convince them, like, hey, you know, we were ordered to kill the Jedi, but she's not a Jedi anymore. So, uh, you know, we're cool, right? <laughs> and, uh, yeah, they weren't cool with I that. mean, in reality, I mean, that, that should have worked if she's not a Jedi. But I think those direct orders saying Ahsoka must die as well. Yeah, it, it didn't fly, that reasoning. So um, that wound up into a, a huge, you know, uh, fight. Uh, huge, this action was choreographed beautifully. Uh, we've got, uh, you know, everybody's trying to escape this ship that now that's now sinking and, and falling its way planet side. It's, it's about to crash. You've got uh, Ahsoka, Maul, Rex, all trying to escape, and the troopers ready to die to make sure that these guys die as well. Um, none of them are trying to escape. They're just trying to, you know, shoot and kill um, all three of these characters uh, that we love. And, you know, it's funny, all three of these characters, we know for a fact that they do survive this episode because we see them later in the timeline in Rebels. But uh, it didn't take away from the the action or the the sense of urgency at all in this episode. Yeah, no, I think we, we may have just skipped over probably one of the more important line, uh, scenes in this last episode here. But um, it's when Ahsoka and Rex are standing on the bridge and they find they open up the hangar bay and they see the planet or the moon that they're being pulled into. And but they also see the the ship. And when they open up the ship, that's when all the troopers come out. Yeah. And then Rex is trying to sell to Ahsoka. They're going to kill us. They want to kill us. And she has it set in her mind. She is not going to be the one that kills them. They will not be killing them. They're sending them to stun. She does not want to hurt a single one of them. Yeah. Because she knows them. That that They're her her group. I mean, they all have the painting and everything. So she knows almost every one of these you know, guys personally. Right. And she's like, I, I know this is not them. They are not bad. Like when, he, when she takes Rex's helmet off to actually look him in the eye and tell him, you're not bad. This was not you who tried to kill me. Yeah. It's just like them. They're not trying to kill me. It's that chip that has programmed them to go ahead and do so. And it's, he's having a hard time, you know, understanding the fact that no matter what, they're going to try to kill us. Exactly right. And it's, um, I mean, it just makes for a jaw-dropping episode. Uh, we kind of come to the uh, the grand finale here. This this ship is, is heading towards the planet. Uh, we're just uh, moments away from it uh, crashing and, and killing all of them. Um, Maul finally gets in the ship and, and he's making a break for it. And as he does, Ahsoka grabs his ship <laughs> with the force to try to bring it back down. Meanwhile, Rex is, you know, firing at the other troopers and she's deflecting bolts with her lightsaber in the other hand. 
uh, just insane. And meanwhile, like the three droids are trying to like do their part. <laughs> to, They're lifting up things and dropping things. Yeah, <laughs> to, to keep the, the troopers away from them. Until finally, you know, Ahsoka, she has to make the decision of keeping this ship down as an escape um, or helping her friend Rex and the droids. And she makes that decision. She lets go of Maul. He flies off. I guess we won't be seeing him until Rebels, timeline-wise. No, it was pretty cool to see him kind of fly away, see how he, you know, he escaped and did his own thing. But it was, uh, it, was, it was pretty cool to see the decision with Ahsoka trying to keep Maul with the shuttle, thinking that was their only way out. Yeah. And then decides to let the shuttle go to go ahead and save Rex, or attempt to save Rex. Right. So, I mean... The emotional like warfare that's going on in her head is uh, at another level also. Oh, yeah. But uh, they do manage to escape. I mean, they run to a ship that... God, it reminded me of a Y-Wing, <laughs> the look of it. Um, but yeah, um, Rex gets in. He takes off. Um, some of the droids don't make it out. They get shot by blaster bolts. I think all three of those droids got fried. <laughs> yeah, I think they did. Poor guys. I think they did. Um, you know, but uh, their sacrifice will not be in vain. Um, Ahsoka and Rex make it out. Um, the ship does crash, you know, long hair wing. And it, as it gets into the atmosphere, it's on fire and they, they escape and... It's kind of an echo of her uh, fall planet side uh, down to Mandalore uh, earlier in this four-part series. Um, but yeah, she uh, she finally kind of, uh, through peril, uh, makes it onto the ship. She jumps onto this uh, Y-wing-looking ship, and her and Rex are able to kind of settle back onto the ground uh, safely. Uh, but nobody else did. That ship crashed, and those troopers died with it. Yeah, then I'm not sure how long a time in between where... That takes place, and when we see it again, but we see Rex walking away with the shovel, and then they kind of pan out to Ahsoka, looking more like Ahsoka from Rebels. Yeah. You know, with her, you know, full tunic on, everything kind of standing there, blowing in the wind, and she's looking at basically what essentially is a graveyard of all her, of all her fallen comrades. So that's the way she looks at it. She wasn't going to be the one that hurt them. Yeah. And she basically had them all you know, staked out, you know, with their helmets on, you know, on the sticks and everything. And it pans around and you see Cody's, but then you see Rex's helmet. And then all of a sudden you see her look at her lightsabers and she drops them both on the ground. Mm. And it didn't dawn on me at first what happened. I had to watch it a second time to realize she just basically faked both her death and Rex's death. For the sake of survival. Yeah, because um, we then jump to it's um, it's the same setting. It's the same portion of this planet that we just saw Ahsoka on bury these troops. Uh, but you can tell it's months later because now it's all snowy. Uh, but now we, we see, like, legit stormtroopers surveying the land. We see an Imperial shuttle land down with Vader, um, who walks down past these stormtroopers over to this uh, makeshift grave site. And he sees all the helmets lined up on these stakes and uh, he sees Rex's helmet, he sees the, the lightsaber, he picks it up, ignites it, um, and then sees this, um, this like, owl um, flying in the sky, he looks up at it. This, this whole final um, last maybe five minutes of this episode is all silent, there's no dialogue. And uh, you can just see Vader kind of looking up to, at this owl with a lightsaber in hand. Um, and you, you can actually see, which is a sight that we don't see very often, but you see kind of past the uh, Vader visor... Um, the little eye holes, you see the eyes of Anakin Skywalker underneath these things, and uh, you just can't imagine, I guess, you know, what he's thinking in that moment. Yeah, I don't know. It, it was, they were going for like a heavy emotional, like, ending of it between, you know, the bearing of the storm, well, the, the clone troopers, and then, you know, Vader showing up and yeah, him holding Anakin, Ahsoka's lightsabers and everything. And what did you, th- 
did it hit home for you? How how did you feel at that point? Oh, I mean, I thought it was a stellar ending. I mean, as far as action and intrigue and uh, the events, I think out of these four episodes, Shattered was probably my favorite. Um, this uh, episode, Victory and Death, almost seemed kind of like an epilogue, just to kind of get to where we're going uh, character-wise with these three. But, uh, I mean, any time that I see Vader... I in any form <laughs> live action animated or in the comics just uh it's a big deal for me how did you feel about it oh i really enjoyed it but i didn't get the emotional feeling that i have on past s- series finales and i the reason i, I said is i think that rebels set the bar so high for a series finale and on an emotional level mm, yeah because i mean they had it where we lost two main characters and we still don't know where they are right and then we had, you know, afterwards and the build-up. And they really built that emotion into the episode. And I felt the emotion in that finale. Yeah. I didn't quite get the same emotional response out of this one. Even though I have a stronger tie to the Clone Wars series. And the only thing I can really think of is I know what episode four is. Or I know, you know, that's the only thing I can think that it would be. But then on the flip side... We kind of know a little bit what's going on after Rebels as well. Yeah, it, it's tough to say. I can take your uh, your point on that. I mean, Rebels, um, we do and we will have the continuing adventures of Ahsoka and Sabine and their journey towards finding Ezra and uh, I guess Thrawn too, since they'd be together. But, uh, you know, and that's kind of a mystery um, as far as when they find him, if they find him, you know. Uh, but as far as, you know, the end of Clone Wars, like we, we know where we are in this point of time. We know Vader's fate. We know where Ahsoka ends up. We we know where Rex ends up. And, you know, as far as these characters, we know where Maul ends up. So I guess I kind of take your point. Like, you know, it was an exciting conclusion. But the fact that we there's really not a ton of mystery here at the end of the this episode, I guess it just feels different. Yeah, and that may be exactly where I'm kind of going with it. I mean, I loved every minute of it. Uh, the last four episodes I thought were amazing. It went out on a high note. Absolutely oh, yeah. on, on a high note for us. There was There's nothing really negative you can say about it. It's just, no, where do we go from here? <laughs> That's kind of where, where we're at. I say we, uh, I say we cruise away from here. So you're suggesting we jump into that car and just cruise right into the cheesy. <laughs> let's do it. Well, I have one joke that is Star Wars based. So let's go with this one here. Why do stormtroopers only buy iPhones? Um, why do stormtroopers only buy iPhones? I don't know. Because they couldn't find the droids they were looking for. <laughs> uh, I like that one. It's probably one of the better Star Wars ones we That's had in a while. <laughs> yeah, that one's actually pretty funny. Okay, I got one here. Hopefully it's as funny. We'll see. I'll judge by your, uh, your reaction here. <laughs> why is the force like duct tape? No idea. It has a light side, a dark side, and it binds the galaxy together. <laughs> okay. Okay. That's, that's, I don't know why I'm laughing. I didn't find it that funny. <laughs> yeah. Okay. There you go. That was a thinker. Oh, man. Okay. That's 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 pretty good. Okay, guys. Well, that's, uh, you know, you, you survived the cheesy, which we uh, applaud. Uh, I mean, you know where to find us by now. You can pretty much find us on any platform. Uh, you know of our website now, dadandrock.com. And uh, keep showing the love. Yeah, we appreciate dadandrock.com. We'll see you next time. Okay, have a good one, guys. Execute Order 66. Order 66.